Good morning, Fellowship family. Good morning. Uh, right now, if you are a community group leader, attention community group leaders, there is a meeting starting now for you um, over in, um, in the Family Center. It's, there's one during this service, and there's one also at 1030. So if you need to get up and go right now, you're not going to be a distraction. I just wanted to let you know that. Um, all right. Well, we're doing things a little bit differently this morning. Praise God. Amen. And as people come in and find their seat, we're going to get started. I've got on my notes, on uh, my chart, start slow and chill. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. And so you've heard me say before, it's like um, I like to aim our worship. Don't really start and stop worship on Sundays, but uh, on Sunday mornings we come in here, we stand on stage, and we like to aim it, and we uh, I like to aim it towards Jesus. And so, uh, just a reminder, John three sixteen, y'all can say it with me if you know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then it goes on to say. He didn't come to this world to condemn it, but to set it free. Everybody say free. Yeah. And then Galatians 5.1 um, tells us that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then the author says, so don't let yourself uh, be burdened by a yoke of slavery. Don't submit yourself again to a yoke of slavery. And so basically the author is saying, hey, you're free, be free. Amen. And so our rightness and our okayness with God is not determined by how good or bad we can, we can perform um, on any given day, but it's because of Jesus. Amen. Aren't you glad that it's not up to us? It's up to Jesus. And man, did Jesus not do a perfectly fine job on a cross thousands of years ago? Did he or did he not? I think he did. So let's stand together and let's celebrate those truths and sing. satisfies. Amen. Come all you sinners. Come all you sinners. Come find his mercy. Come to the table. He will satisfy. Let's taste of his goodness. Find what you're looking for. Sing it together. For God so loved. For God so loved the world that he gave us. His one and only Son to save us, whoever believes in Him will live forever. Bring all your failures, nothing here is hidden. See his open arms for God so long, 
foot of the cross Jesus is waiting So love Amen You guys can have a seat Well, good morning, Fellowship Rogers I am so glad you're here You know what? It's just around the corner Fall Fall is around the corner, and that brings with, uh, to us several of my favorite things. One of them is cooler temperatures. I know that we are going to need those. It's going to be in the hundreds this week. Uh, a second is pumpkin spice. I'm just kidding. It's not one of my favorite things. But the third one is football. Football's around the, the corner. In fact, I think this week college football kicks off and it just reminds me of our fall lineup that we've got coming to you. And so I just wanna remind you, we've got opportunities before you and around Fellowship Rogers, August is the merge point. This is your opportunity to hop in on some of the things we do. So first thing, if you've been around Fellowship for a while and you've been thinking, this is going to be my church. I am ready to jump in. I wanna invite you to join us in our Discover class. It's, a, it's our formal pathway to membership, but it's also a great first small group. So if you've never been in a small group, uh, just sign up for Discover and we'll put you in one. We'll guide you through the process. And if you wanna join at the end, you can. It's also a great place just to kick the tires of our church and figure out uh, what we're all about. So join us for Discover. Uh, or you could just join a community group. And right now, our community group leaders are across the hall this morning. They're getting their game plan ready and we're gonna have a group for you. And we'd love for you to find a place where you can know others and be known and process truth, and eat a casserole based on Belvita cheese, and drink out of Solo cups, and all of that stuff. We've got it for you. In fact, we're gonna do something different this year. We're going to have every community group come to the campus on September 10th. That's a Sunday night, and we're gonna launch community groups together with a tailgate. So if you're in a community group, we want your group to come here. We'll have a short time together in this room, and then we're gonna spread out around the campus, and you'll have a tailgate, and your group will meet for the first time that night, or if you've been meeting all summer, have a tailgate that night. So we would love to have you. In fact, you can just show up that night, and we'll try to find a group for you. So September 10th, mark that down. Another offering that we have coming your way is our training center core classes. And so we've got four classes launching. The first one begins September 10th, and they spread out through the semester. Uh, and so we've got a great lineup. In fact, I'd like for you guys to meet our starting lineup for the training center. And this is who's teaching for us this fall. Chip Jackson, Dallas Theological Seminary, Leadership Lab. Ted Leonard, LSU School of Medicine, residency at UAMS, Talbot Seminary at Biola, in defense of the resurrection. Terry Riedel, Calvary Bible College in Kansas City, teaching missionaries in the Philippines for 30 years. Personal Bible study too. Robert Cup, Transfer Portal, Southwestern, Western, Atlantic, Hindustan Bible College, and the Dallas Theological Seminary, Panorama of the Bible. Personal Bible Study 2. Robert Cup, Transfer Portal, Southwestern, Western, Atlantic, Hindustan Bible College, and the Dallas Theological Seminary, Panorama of the Bible.
You work with the talent you've been given. And so, um, hey, these guys have been preparing all summer for these classes for you. So if you're ready to go deeper in your faith, then join us in one of those. And then lastly, hey, we did open up our disaster relief fund um, last Friday. And so if you'd like to donate, uh, every dollar will go to Hawaii. And we've already located churches there that will help in that relief. And so uh, join us in fellowship. You always do a great job on that. Hey, can I pray for us? Well, Lord Jesus, we come to exalt you and you alone. We wanna make your name famous. Lord, we want to bring you the glory and honor and praise that you deserve. So Lord, meet us in this time of singing and, and prayer and teaching and giving. It's in your name we pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we continue to sing? He 
his lavish bonds. His blood was the payment, his life was the cost. For we stood neath the debt we could never afford. While our sins, they are many, his mercy is more. Just give thanks in your own heart right now for all that the Lord has done in and through Jesus, not only for you, but to you, and everything he'll accomplish in you and through you for the rest of your days. Sing it out if you know. 
thousand generations falling down in worship to sing the song of ages to the man and all who've gone before us and all who will believe will sing the song of ages to the man I sing your name is the highest your name is the highest your name is the greatest your name stands above them all all thrones all thrones and dominions all powers and possessions your name stands above them all and the angels cry holy all creation
pray together and just continue to be thankful and grateful. We've been given so much in and through Jesus Christ. And so as we give today um, in this manner, um, it is my prayer for us that we do it um, with, a, with a joyful heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, but we give as a response to Jesus. We give a response to everything that the Father God has given us in and through his Son and our Savior, Jesus. So let's pray together and then we'll sing and give as an act of worship. Lord, there's no one like you. You are God and there's no other God but you. So, Father, as we continue today, as we as we give from the heart, Lord, as a response to everything you've done for us, Lord, help it to be an act of worship on our part. Lord, this ministry of reconciliation that we're a part of, this commission with Jesus, Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you. It's a commission, and um, we're not on our own. We know that Christ gave his life for us to give his life to us and to live his resurrected life in and through us and, uh, and invited us into it all. So Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name. gospel of Jesus it's the hope of the ages burning brighter and brighter and standing forever the church he is building no nothing can stop it it's a city that's shining it's a light in the darkness Nothing can stop it. Though Christ was dead, now surely He's risen. Yeah, He's coming back again, and Christ will reign in triumph for.
is a firm foundation and I will not be shaken and I
We're continuing in our August teaching series entitled Church Defined. We're at the exact middle point of this five-week study of the nature and the purpose of the church. Theologically speaking, we are studying the discipline of ecclesiology, taking a look at what the scriptures have to say about this thing that we do, this thing that we're a part of called the church. And here's where we've been. We first defined church. And we defined it this way, that the church is a community of believers led by the Spirit. That word translated in your English Bible as church comes from the ancient Greek word ekklesia, which simply means to assemble or to gather. So the church is the assembly. It's the organized group of Christ followers. It's the gathered group of believers who are intentionally living out God's purposes and plans. And when it comes to the church, there are really two expressions. One is there's this thing, the church universal or global, and then there's the church local. Now, the universal church describes the cumulative body of Christ composed of all true believers from all expressions and denominations across the world. So if you've repented of your sin and you've professed belief in the person and the work of Christ, then you are a member of the church universal, the church global. Now, the local church is an individual expression of a group of Christ's followers who are united to live out the purposes and the plans of the Lord in their local community. Fellowship Bible Church is an expression locally of the global body of Christ. And we have a pathway to membership here. It's called Discover. We mentioned it earlier. But most importantly, we want everybody to be a vital part of our body through weekly participation in our essential expressions, like worshiping shoulder to shoulder together each week. And then getting in front of one another face to face in the context of a small group where you can know others and be known and then serving alongside one another, arm in arm for the cause of Christ. Now, last week, we looked at the big picture purpose of the church. And Caleb shared with us that the, the ultimate goal of the church is clear and simple. We exist to glorify God. All that we do is intended to make much of the Lord. We exist to make one name famous, and that's the name of Jesus. The church is tasked with demonstrating the character of the Lord to the world so that those around us will fall in love with our God and bring him glory. We are tasked with glorifying the Savior. We do not exist to make our church name or our church brand famous. We are not purposed with making our pastoral staff well-known. We do not exist to become a big church or to become a wealthy church. It's not about attendance numbers or budget numbers. We are not focused on church growth as much as we are focused on church health. We want to be a healthy church. We want to be a biblically sound church. We want to be a transforming church that has a body full of change life stories. And we do all of that to feed one metric to bring God glory. Now, how do we glorify God? Well, Caleb shared with us last week that on its most abstract level, we fulfill the great commandment. 
Mark chapter 12 says it this way. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. The most, in its most simplistic form, the church is purposed with loving God and loving people. And when we do those two things well, we bring him glory. So bring the first two weeks of the series together. We are a community of believers led by the Spirit who exist to bring honor and glory to God through loving him with everything we've got and loving others well. Today, we want to add a question, and we want to get more specific about what the church does. So the, the question of the day, okay, okay, what do we do? When we're doing this thing called church, what are we specifically trying to accomplish? What are our ongoing duties or responsibilities day to day, week to week? And the scriptures clearly define certain tasks or functions. They, they're assigned to us by the Lord, and I'll summarize them with five terms. This is what a church does. We do evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and worship and service. These are our tasks. These are our ongoing responsibilities assigned to the church uh, by the Lord and revealed through the scriptures. And if you're a part of the church, guess what? These are actually assigned to you as well. These are our non-negotiable, essential marching orders. These are our missional mandates for us as a community of Christ followers. Let's work through each one. What do we mean by evangelism? Well, it's leading someone who is far from God into right relationship with God through helping them understand their need for repentance and belief. In Acts chapter one, Jesus said this to the early church. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my what? Witnesses. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the church is tasked with proclaiming the good news of Jesus near and far. We've been given the privilege of proclamation. We're to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus as people who have personally experienced this transforming power of Christ's death and resurrection. We now have taken the responsibility to share him with others. And evangelism begins with a heart for those who are far from God. It then leads to the sharing of the gospel message and then it culminates with an invitation or opportunity for others to express belief. And when someone believes in Jesus, they experience that theological concept of salvation. A healthy church should be a growing church because a healthy church is sharing Christ with those who don't know him and they're coming to be a part of our body daily, weekly, monthly. But not every church fulfills their God-given assignment of evangelism. Now, why would a church fail in this particular essential area? Well, think about it with me. First, they could become soft on sin. If there is no sin, then why would you need a savior? 
Another way they could get off track here is they could broaden the concept of how to get to heaven, embrace universalism or pluralism, believing that all roads lead to Rome. All roads give you a place in heaven, and if that's true, then why would you need to preach belief in Jesus? Other churches might start to see evangelism in today's culture as intolerant or narrow-minded. See, a healthy church stays focused on this task and fulfills their duty in this area. A second function is discipleship. Jesus said in the Great Commission, therefore go and make what? Disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've asked of them. The church is not only tasked with introducing people to the Lord through evangelism, but also with helping people grow up in their faith. A disciple is a fully dedicated follower of Christ. It's someone who's not only been forgiven of their sin, but also is maturing in holiness and seeking to serve the cause of Christ. And discipleship is a process assigned to the local church. We have the task, we have the responsibility of transferring truth and skill in the context of a loving relationship. Helping people become more and more like Jesus and more and more free from sin. And when they experience that, they become a disciple, they're experiencing the theological concept of sanctification or the practical concept of spiritual formation. But not every church is proficient in this area. Why would a church get off track or fail to fulfill their calling to make disciples? Well, some churches don't make disciples because their whole focus is merely on evangelism. And their primary measure of success is saving souls. But after the altar call, there's no emphasis on helping new believers grow in their faith. Other churches may not emphasize discipleship because they fear it might drive people away. They don't want to ask too much or expect too much. Their model might just be to attract people by lowering the bar and making church the most comfortable experience as they can for these folks. The whole idea of deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me is something that they fear could cause people to leave. A healthy church stays on task in the area of discipleship. A a third function would be fellowship. Romans 12 says, be devoted to one another in what? Love. Honor one another. Care for one another. The church is designed to love and nurture and care for each person through their highs and their lows of life. We are called the family of God. The person next to you on your right and left is your brother and sister in Christ. So we show compassion. We encourage one another and pray for one another. We share life and meals and tears. And we forgive one another and serve one another. We build intimate friendships with one another and partner in the Lord's work together. The ecclesia is a community of believers who love each other well. And in today's church, there's a big threat to this one. What would threaten the the community from loving, keeping it from loving one another? How about online church? You can string the service from your home and never have to meet your fellow congregants. At this point, it becomes a Netflix series. Individualized, anonymous, there's no relational connection or or intimacy. It's not a genuine community 
or has genuine friendships. And we've got to stay disciplined to not pursue convenience, but to continue to meet together and all the more as the day approaches. A fourth function would be worship. Romans chapter 12, verse one says, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This is pleasing to him and it's an act of worship. So that's why we gather weekly to, to see God for who he really is and then give a proper response. We come to sing we come to pray, we come to give offerings, we come to hear the teaching, we come to observe the ordinances of baptism and community, and then we leave here and we continue our worship by the way we live throughout the week. I love doing church with you guys. I love the, the corporate shoulder-to-shoulder expression of shared faith. I love it when we thunder forth a hymn of old. And I love it when we have quiet moments of intimate prayer with the Lord. I love a collective amen as the truth of scripture is, is uh, read or taught. And I love a public testimony of God's faithfulness. But not every church fulfills their God-given assignment of worship in a healthy way. Why would or how could a church struggle in this area? Well, one possibility would be turning the sacred hour of praise into a concert Instead of a collective response from the body, we watch the performance of a talented band. And when the performance is valued more than the participation of the whole, then worship will suffer. Our worship could also struggle because of an overemphasis of the eminence of God to the detriment of his transcendence. When we lower our view of the Lord down to him just being our buddy, or our friend, as opposed to standing in awe of the almighty, sovereign, creator of the universe, our worship will lose its power. The last function is the function of service. We looked at this just a few weeks ago at the end of our Summer Rhythms series. First Peter 4 says to use whatever gift you've been given to serve others as faithful stewards. Each of us as a vital part of this local expression we call Fellowship Rogers, is called to contribute and not just consume. We're here to serve, not just to be served. We're here to give, not just to receive. And by the way, many of you signed up in response to our appeal for you to serve here at Fellowship Rogers. And if you haven't done that, haven't found your place to express your skill or, or giftedness with a need Around here, we'd love to help you. And just a warning, if you hope that we'll quit asking or challenging you to serve, you'll probably never be happy here because it's actually a part of our DNA. It is written into our mission statement, which says that we exist to produce and release what? Spiritual leaders who know and express the authentic Christ. We're gonna keep pounding that drum. We want you to fulfill the mission. A spiritual leader is a maturing disciple with a ministry focus. That is an expectation of our church. It's an expectation of the Lord that we all serve. But not all churches fulfill this task in its fullest form. What would throw a church off here? Well, many churches operate on what you might call an attractional model. 
It asks for no contribution, lowers the bar of expectations. They ask the question, what can we do for you as opposed to what can we collectively do for others? And ultimately, that model will produce consumers, not servants or leaders. So we have a job description for the church. Evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, worship, and service. This is our to-do list. These are our weekly responsibilities. This is our irreducible minimum. A church can do more, but it can never do less than these five things. We can't opt out of any of these and still be a healthy and effective and biblical functioning church. And we have to guard against subtle drift in our doctrine and our practice when it comes to these things. You know, we could take these five terms and we could actually view them or consider them as a scorecard on church health and effectiveness and authenticity. In fact, if we were to take a church scorecard and maybe give a TripAdvisor rating on each of these five areas, I wonder how we would rate out. Now note that they are not these five areas. One of the number one things I get talked about is our coffee around here. We try to keep it mediocre to keep the fluff away. If you want to be a real follower of Jesus, then you just drink our coffee. So our coffee team, I love you. You can only work with what we give you. Is this what we rate a church on? Coffee? Parking? Music? If the pastor wears Jordans? If you can come in shorts? How quickly you can get back out of the parking lot into lunch? Believe it or not, this is a church scorecard for many. But that's not from the scriptures. So, Back to the task. How would you rate us? You don't have to yell out. Where would you say our lowest one is? Take it that way. Even if you're giving it four stars or three stars, what's our lowest one? See, we're not a perfect church. We're still in process trying to figure this out. What would you rate us as the highest one? You know, I ask our staff, I literally printed this out and handed it to him. It said, anonymously score us. You know what the staff said our lowest one is? Evangelism. Oh, that stabbed me in the heart. I had to process that because I'm passionate about it. They rated our highest ones as a tie, discipleship, fellowship, and worship. And then the second lowest one was on service. So then I started analyzing that, and I said, here's the message that I got from that. We do a really good job with eyes in towards the campus, taking care of the sheep, helping you grow in your faith, living life together. But when we look outside of the campus, our staff says we have room to grow in our areas of service and evangelism. It's good things to think of. Well, you know what? Turnabout's fair play. How would you rate yourself? Got all quiet. If this is the scorecard from the Lord for the church, and if the church is simply made up of 
individual believers united in community. How are you doing? What would be your lowest rated one? Where do you have room to improve? Which would be your strength? That might be something to carry into your devotional time next week. Now, here's the trick. Each local church has to decide the form in which they will work out these five functions. And at Fellowship, when we start talking about our ecclesiology, when we start talking about our philosophy of ministry, we distinguish between form and function. The functions, what we've been talking about thus far, it's the biblical responsibility assigned to the church by the Lord. I've given you five primary ones. The form is the manner. It's the method in which the function is accomplished. The function is the mandate. The form is the method. Let's take evangelism, for example. We are called to evangelize, to share Christ with others. How do you do that? See, that's where the church has to decide on a strategy, has to decide on a philosophy. We could do one-to-one evangelism. We could do event-based evangelism. We could do small group-based evangelism. We could start an investigative Bible studies. We could start a podcast. There's a lot of different ways to do evangelism. The function is unchanging, but the form varies. This chart may help you. Functions are timeless while forms are timely. Functions are static while forms are flexible. Functions are unchanging. They're non-negotiable while forms change and they are negotiable. Function speaks to mission while form speaks to method. Now, there are a few implications from this principle of form and function. First one is that our forms of ministry here at Fellowship Rogers may be different than your upbringing or your church background. And I just want to remind you that departure from traditional forms does not equate to departure from the Bible. Does everybody hear me? How many of you grew up in Sunday school? Yeah. And when you came to fellowship, you were either relieved because you didn't like Sunday school, or you might have even asked, do they make disciples? Now, what is our replacement, our form for Sunday school? Small groups. Home groups. We're a home groups-based church. You may have grown up and worshiped with pews, choir robes, and hymnals. Can I get an amen to that? And we have none of those here. Does that mean we're not a biblical church? No, it means we do our worship in a different form. Are you tracking with me here? Forms are not necessarily right or wrong. Biblical functions can be accomplished effectively in many different ways. And that's what's beautiful about the local church in Northwest Arkansas. Up and down the corridor and all around, each church is working out their, uh, their mission with different methods. And we add a lot to the community. There are many different ways to fulfill a biblical mandate. Now, one outworking on this is that you should expect change. Because the form is going to change to be effective with the culture. And some of you may not like this. In fact, change causes stress for you. And you may even feel that way about Fellowship Rogers right now. Because things are different than even four years ago, aren't they? Our style is changing. Our staff is changing. Our model of ministry is changing. You may like Fellowship Bible Church circa 2013. Were you here? Robert was up here teaching with charts, his mustache. 
Mickey was leading worship. How many of you knew that Mickey led worship? See, not very, look at that. Oh, so sad for y'all. He was really good. When you came in the room, you were handed a printed bulletin. We were killing so many trees in 2013. I remember when we took the bulletins away, we called them communicators. People came with pitchforks and swords. They wanted that piece of paper. They didn't know what to write on. They didn't have their, their bulletin. Remember when communion tasted okay? I'm just saying, we love you gluten-free people, but we're suffering for you <laughs> and with you. Remember when you saw friends from Fayetteville here? And even just a year and a half ago, we had our friends from Bentonville here. Things are changing, and it's inevitable that the form of ministry has to, to, to move to reach the culture. But note this, the functions never do. We have an uncompromising commitment to evangelism and discipleship and fellowship and worship and service. And we'll never stop doing those. Amen? But the way we do them is going to change. So is this form function thing biblical? We said we were going to show you our ecclesiology from the scriptures. Well, certainly it is. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 speaks specifically about it. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, though I am free and belong to no one, I've made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. So to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth about form and function. Pop quiz. What is the function he is writing about here? Did you pick up on it? I'll give you a hint. When he talks about winning, He's talking about evangelism. He's trying to win over someone to belief in Christ. And when he talks about becoming, he's talking about the form of evangelism. And what he is saying is, as I am sharing the unchanging message of Christ, remember that, the unchanging message of Christ, I am going to present it differently to different audiences. To a person with a Jewish background, I will appeal from the Old Testament. To a person with a Gentile background, I might appeal to them from their culture or their religious background. I will become anything I need to be in order to make a connection so that I can evangelize those I am ministering to. He summarizes it in verses 22 and 23. I've become all things. To all people, I will vary my form as much as I need to in order to maintain my effectiveness. Do you see it in the passage? There's form and there's function. Here's what I wanna leave you with. That here's our calling as a church is that we have to figure out how to be the most effective in Rogers and Springdale, Arkansas. That's our job. 
And we've got to be willing to change and keep trying different things. An effective church fulfills the timeless calling. Those are the functions in a timely manner. We've got to remain true to the mission, yet we've got to be relevant to the culture. We've got to fulfill our mission with biblical precision and yet have this cultural savviness, keeping one foot anchored in the first century and one foot anchored in 2023. And that's our prayer for our church, that we would bring Jesus as much glory as we can bring him by effectively communicating his truth where we live, work, and play. Hey, I thought we might close today just praying for our church. Would you bow with me? And right where you're at, would you pray for our church? We're heading into a fall ministry season. People have moved here. They're getting their kids on-ramped into school. They're looking to get involved, and we've got empty seats. And would you pray for the things that we are attempting to do in our strategy this fall to work, to help people experience salvation and sanctification? Spend some time lifting up the church. Pray for our children and student ministries. Lord Jesus, this is your church. Lord, we want your name and your name alone to be exalted in this place. Lord, I submit everything that we're doing as a church to you and ask you to use it to draw people to yourself. And Lord, I pray that we would all link arms and do our part. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, fellowship, thanks for being here today. We love you. Community group leaders, you're across the hall right after this service. We've got prayer room warriors waiting on you if you need prayer in the prayer room. We'll see you next week.